This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a practicing small animal veterinarian and longtime cat lover. So I like to use this show as a platform to educate people about cats and entertain them about cats a little bit, too. So I have a guest today, Steve Applebaum, and he is the founder and president of the Animal Behavior College. And he's going to talk with us a little bit about some stuff you might not have known about the training of animals, cats specifically. And so we're going to learn a lot today. So we'll be right back with Steve after these messages. Do you want a cat litter that absorbs odor-causing wetness like a parched desert cactus? Well, Arm & Hammer's got a litter for you. New Absorbex with desert-dry minerals. Wetness disappears like a Texas raindrop on a hot tin roof. Odor? Adios. It's lightweight, lightning-fast, odor-absorbing, desert-dry cat litter. Get $4 off now at armandhammer.com forward slash bounty. New Absorbex from Arm & Hammer. More power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. As I said, I have Steve Applebaum with me today and the founder and president of the Animal Behavior College. Welcome, Steve. Hi there. So I'm really excited to talk with you today because I agree that standardization of animal training is something that we have always needed and you saw it as a need and you made it happen. So tell us a little bit about how you came to be here with us. Okay. Well, I was a dog trainer for many years and I I did a lot of private lessons. And when when I would go to people's houses, 20, 30, maybe 40% of the time, I found that the doggy parents also had kitties and they would ask me questions about cats. And initially, because I hadn't been trained as a cat trainer, I didn't have the answers. But it was obvious to me that they had a real need. You know, they loved their cats just as much as they loved their dogs. And they had, it was interesting. I mean, although cats and dogs are very different, they had some of the same types of issues, environmental issues. With dogs, it was house training. With kitties, it was, you know, litter box training. And the same levels of stress in their lives because they didn't know how to address these problems. And this is back in the 80s. And there really wasn't a lot of information available on cat training. In fact, most people that you asked would look at you funny like, wait, cats can't be trained. And that, unfortunately, is still an attitude, although it's changing. So I recognized the need pretty early and learned over time that not only were cats trainable, that it was extremely fascinating and you could do tremendous things with them. You just had to train them differently and for different things than you did with dogs. Fast forward, when I started Animal Behavior College in the late 90s, we did a lot of outreach to animal shelters. At the time, we were working with them because there seemed to have been a shift starting in the late 90s and at the turn of this century, whereas shelters previously had the mantra of spay, neuter, spay, neuter, spay, neuter, spay, neuter, which is a very important message. 
that had changed to spay-neuter train. Spay-neuter train. They understood that there was a correlation between adoptability as well as a reduction in recidivism when dogs were trained. But on the cat side of the shelter and rescue world, the idea that, that training was a component was met again with that same kind of blank, like, well, wait, cats, cats can't be trained. And this, to me, struck, it's tragic because, I mean, as you know, but maybe some of the listeners don't know, I mean, more cats wind up in shelters every year than dogs and millions are euthanized. But oftentimes when cats wind up in shelter, it's because of untreated, but absolutely treatable behavioral challenges. And so it became a mission, really became a mission to be one of the people, I don't expect we're the only ones, but certainly to be involved in getting the message out that cats are absolutely trainable. And it's fun. But beyond that, they're absolutely trainable. And, uh, and that's why I'm here. People seem to think that bad behaviors in cats are just, oh, well, they just throw up their hands. I see that a lot in right. my exam room. And, and I agree, that is something. And I'm so happy that you're here to talk about it and give us hope that that's really not the case. It's not just throw up your hands. No, it's absolutely not. In fact, speaking of veterinary, I mean, one of the things that we, we found, and again, I'm sure you already know this, that, uh, and, and the statistics I've read seem to vary somewhere between 30 to 50% of kitty parents don't take their cats for regular veterinary checkups. And in fact, a percentage of them will only take their cats to the veterinarian if it's a dire emergency. And that's not because they don't love their cats. It's because oftentimes getting them into a carrier, which you would typically use to take a cat to a veterinarian, is so difficult for people that they throw up their hands and they simply put off what can often be vital medical needs until it's too late. And so, you know, one of the things that we've been trying to teach people is you can teach cats to not necessarily love the carrier. It depends on what their prior experiences have been, but certainly to tolerate it. And certainly to, so that it doesn't have to become a, you know, a futile trying to chase them around for 20 minutes and then just giving up. You have suggestions about that and your trainers have suggestions about that. Yeah. So it can be easier if my listeners consult with someone to help them, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Consult with someone that can help them. But that doesn't necessarily look, I mean, I'd love for people that are interested in this, that have a need to find a cat trainer near them. There are more and more cat trainers now, uh, certainly more than there were five years ago, and I'm hoping in five years there'll be a lot more than there are now. But even if you don't find a cat trainer, there is a lot of information out there now on how you can do this. And I just want people to understand that these challenges are solvable. Cats can be taught to go in crates, they can go in carriers. They can be taught to go where they need to go in the litter box. They can be taught not to scratch up the furniture. They can even be taught to learn to accept other kitties and, in some instances, even other dogs. So there's a lot you can do. But yes, look up cat trainers, whether they're Animal Behavior College graduates or other graduates. This is less about me promoting the school. Again, I, I, I won't turn that down, but it's really promoting a message. And the message is cats can be trained. And they can be trained positively, by the way. You know, they can be trained using humane scientific methods, and they do very, very well. They're extremely responsive if you know how to do it. So what do you think, in your opinion, what are some of the basic things? You've kind of touched on it, but what are some of the basic things that you think each cat needs to learn to have a happier and healthier life? 
Okay, so it's basic things. Well, absolutely learning to go in a carrier because there will be times when they have to be taken to places and uh, that's the safe way to do it. So certainly learning to go in a carrier, you know, certainly to be properly litter box trained so that, you know, you don't have those problems. Uh, You know, certainly uh, to have a place in their environment where they can escape to, they can feel safe. That helps with a lot of things. To have appropriate stimulation in their environment proper things to scratch on, proper things to play with. And really, just like dog training, this is just like most training of companion animals. This is really more about training the parents, training the owners, than it, or certainly as much about training the parents as it is about actually training the cats, because it's going to be their, their work with their pets that will allow this to happen and will allow both owners and cats to have a better relationship and a, and a stronger bond and a healthier, safer one, too. So do you think that training a cat makes his or her life better overall? Yes, I do. Uh, although it's important for people to understand when I use the word training, all too often, a lot of people immediately make the association that they do with dog training. And so to them, training means we're going to somehow put them on a leash and teach them to listen to cues. You know, and, and that's where we lose some people because while you can certainly teach cats to walk on a leash and arguably there are applications for this. And one cue that I would 100% recommend that everybody learn how to teach their cat is to come when called because that can be a lifesaver. But beyond that, the idea of teaching cats to, you know, obedience strikes people as, well, questionable at best and silly at worst. And so we lose them. When I'm talking about training, I'm almost always talking about basic behavior modification principles. So learning how to litter box, learning how to teach them to go in a crate, teaching them to come when called. Okay, get those done. Learn how to properly set up an environment where the cat feels safe and secure. Learn how to give them the proper toys, like I was saying before. And that is, that's all part of training. And yes, the cat will have a better life. And so, and so will the people that he or she is living with. So I think that training is not just good for the cat, just like you said, because I think spending that time with your cat to teach it the appropriate things helps with bonding. I know the more time I, you know, the more time I spend with any of my animals, it just builds our bond and builds our relationship. So yeah, I think that it really helps everybody. I a hundred percent agree. And especially using modern methods because, and what I mean by that is, is methods that are based on, on, on really positive on, uh, you know, we're not using positive punishment techniques anymore. You know, the old style training, you know, where the training tool for cats was a, a squirt gun or, you know, a noisemaker, that kind of stuff. That's not used anymore. And so, and that's important. It's important for parents to understand that one of the reasons that this can be a positive experience is because the training methodologies are positive. It's not one of those things where, you know, all right, well, now it's time for discipline, you know, and the <laughs> cats, just like the dogs, hated it. That's all changed now. And, and that's a good thing. So what about some of the things that like I would want to do as your veterinarian, like maybe shaving off mats or giving medications? Can you teach a cat to tolerate those things? You can. You can. I mean, it's all association. By the time they get to the veterinarian, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's no fault of the veterinarian, but this is not associated positively with the cat. They're in a strange environment. You know, strangers are, are handling them. Sometimes, I mean, hopefully not often, but sometimes there is pain involved, certainly discomfort. And so they learn not to like the experience. So you really just have to work on counter conditioning. And that's something that parents 
really need to be involved in because, I mean, let's face it, veterinarians just don't have the time, you know, and oftentimes the environment to do this in. And so it's very, very critical that if, uh, you know, if pet parents want to make their cat's visit to the veterinarian a more positive one, they do things at home to help this out. Okay, whether it's getting the cat used to and associating positive things with being handled, with being brushed, with being picked up, you know, even with being given, uh, you know, given things to eat that they may not necessarily be in the mood to eat at that moment, you know, or masking those things. If it's a pill, you know, masking it in a way that allows them for it to be more palatable, you know, so that this way, when people go to give them something, it's not an automatic negative and an automatic tense up and an automatic negative association. Does that make sense? Yes, you're absolutely playing my tune because I am the nation's first fear-free certified professional. And I love the idea of starting at home because I can only do what I can do in my exam room. Now, I do a lot of things in my exam room to make it as good as I can. But if I had all the pet parents on my team starting at home, we could change. we could change the world. So, yes, I completely agree with that. So, okay, well, let's take a quick break and come back and finish our discussion about some of the things that your cat can learn and maybe some of the fun things that you could get out of teaching your cat some things. So we'll be right back after these messages. Looking for a dental treat that does more for your dog? Daily Dose is a two-in-one chew that pairs a daily dental scrub with powerful supplements to help with the biggest health concerns facing our dogs. Daily Dose was developed by vets to be simple to use and super effective. Plus, dogs love the taste. Available for joint, skin, heart health, or calming. Daily Dose, your pet's daily dose of awesome. Visit yourpetsdailydose.com to save $3 on your first bag with promo code PETLIFE. That's yourpetsdailydose.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. Steve Applebaum and I are talking about training cats, and he had the the four thought to create the Animal Behavior College because he recognized that a lot of trainers did not have standardization by which to test themselves and and they didn't know the same thing that trainer A might be training completely different from trainer B. So let's talk a little bit about about that and how you might recognize a good person to consult about your cat. Okay, so the best way to screen is talk to the trainers. And basically just get ideas from them as to how, what their basic philosophy is. In a nutshell, I mean, yeah, trainers and uh, behaviorists can throw a lot of behavioral jargon, which to people that are not familiar with behavioral jargon, isn't always intuitive. It's often counterintuitive. Okay, you know, terms like positive punishment and negative reinforcement. You know, some people dimly remember hearing that stuff back when they took psych or, you know, basic behavior. But for most people, it's not something that they're intimately familiar with. So you want to avoid the jargon and just get down to the nitty gritty. Are you going to, as a trainer, look to make unacceptable behaviors less pleasant? Are you going to use some form of punishment? Or is your primary focus going to be teaching or strengthening what you consider to be proper behaviors through the use of reward? So, you know, a perfect example of that would be 
teaching cats to go in a crate. Okay. I mean, yeah, you can get frustrated and try to physically force a cat into a crate. Good luck with that. Or you can teach the cat to make a positive association to the crate, which if you think about it, the cat wasn't born knowing that a crate is anything. I mean, they they don't have that connection. That's all learned. So if they can learn to associate negative things to it, they can learn to associate positive things to it. So uh, trainers that are going to be on what I consider to be the right page will focus on strengthening appropriate behaviors through the use of reward, as opposed to trying to repress unacceptable behaviors through the use of punishment. By the way, it doesn't mean punishment never has a place, but it's very tricky and it's definitely not the first, second, or even third thing you want to try. So you can get a sense in just talking with trainers what they have to say about that. Not just on the, on the abstract. I mean, you know, look, I mean, trainers get paid to help people and they're being paid for their knowledge. So, you know, not every trainer is going to be forthcoming in giving you all the solutions to what ails you over the phone because they have to make a living too. So, but, you know, somewhere between giving away all their quote unquote secrets and giving you a sense as to the types of methods with actual examples that they want to use, you can get a, a very good idea as to uh, who's going to be on the same page as you. And that really should be a positive approach. I agree with you because I think that punishment just teaches animals to be afraid. And that's not something yes. that we, we want to foster. Okay, so what if I have a listener out there that maybe has uh, an 8 or 10-year-old cat and already has some issues with getting in its carrier, but they heard this show and they wanted to try to make that better. First of all, is that doable? And where do you think they might start? Yes, it is doable. There's an old adage about dogs that people hold with cats too, which is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know, obviously can't teach an old cat new tricks. Not true. It's First of all, it's not the age of the cat. It's the age of the behavior. Now, oftentimes when you have an eight or nine-year-old cat, they have had negative experiences in their minds, negative experiences with the carrier for much of their lives because there have been instances where they've had to be taken somewhere. So this could be an ingrained older behavior, but that doesn't mean it can't be treated. First steps would be, instead of just pulling the carrier out when it's time to go to a place that the cat doesn't like, get the carrier out and just leave it in the middle of the room or somewhere where the cat is clearly going to be able to see it for days, okay? Literally, just let it become part of the environment. And, you know, initially the cat's going to see it and shy away and, you know, definitely be stressed. And, you know, you can tell when they think something bad is going to happen. But when nothing happens, after a while, and that could be a day or two or a week or three, it's, it's really tough to know. You have to have patience with this stuff. You'll find that the cat will be essentially ignoring the carrier. You know, then what you'll want to do is you'll want to, as the cat, when you see that the cat is coming near the carrier, praise the cat, feed the cat. Food tends to be a great tool in training. Although here's the thing, and this is true with dogs and cats and people for that matter. You have to find what the cat's motivation is. What works for him or her? Now, for many, it's food. For some, it might be just praise. For a few, it may just be being stroked or petted. For others, it will be a favorite toy. Whatever it is that the cat loves, that's what you want to use for reward. And you want to use that reward around the carrier. Now, with food, once again, it can be a little bit easier because you can then graduate from there to putting food in the carrier, leaving it open so that the cat will eventually go in to eat it. Initially, they're going to look at you like, (laughs) you've got to be kidding. There is no way. But over time, you know, people are very surprised to find that they can see tremendous progress and pretty quickly, too. Quickly, of course, is, well, it's a 
It's a somewhat subjective term. After training all these years, you know, I know that with an eight or nine year old cat quickly could be a month or two. It could literally take a month or two for a cat to get to the point where they're comfortable enough going into a crate to get some food, except when it takes two days. You just never know. But you do have to be prepared for the long haul. To answer your question as to where you would go, I mean, certainly you could go to Animal Behavior College and look for us. I believe, you know, speaking of Fear Free, I'm pretty sure, doesn't Dr. Becker have a website where you can find Fear Free uh, trainers and not just dog trainers, but cat trainers as well? He does. In fact, I write for yeah. it. Um, it's called Fear Free Happy Homes. He'll be so glad that we mentioned that. Jay. Yeah, no, I've, I've known him. Well, I've known him for years. In fact, we had a, an interesting conversation on this, a good conversation about this. I don't know, last, maybe last year or so we've been talking about how we might incorporate some of the uh, fear-free protocols into the animal behavior college curriculums because it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, what he's doing is very similar to what we're doing, um, arguably in some ways, because he's (laughs) frankly a better speaker than I am. You know, he can be, you know, extraordinarily, what's the word? Influential. Charismatic. Um, He's extraordinarily charismatic. Yeah, yes, but we've we all we're on, on the show. same page. You're right. Well, tell them hi. We're all on the same page when it comes to this. We all understand that the key here is to teach a positive association with veterinary visits. Uh, and, you know, he wants to do it with trainers. He wants to do it with groomers. So do we. Okay. I mean, you know, one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're teaching some of this in our grooming program. And we know that cat grooming makes up a very, very small percentage of a typical groomer's business. But we also know that part of the reason for that is that groomers oftentimes just don't know what to do when it comes to dealing with cats and right, grooming cats. And it. so yeah. they can't. And so we're hoping to create awareness there. You know, we're certainly doing it with our veterinary assistants. And although we understand that a veterinary assistant is just one member of an overall veterinary team, we also know that the more people understand about cat behavior, the more that spreads, especially if their understanding is based on positive techniques. And so, yes, go to our website. Go to their website, uh, Fear Free or Animal Behavior College. You know, basic Google searches. There's a lot of information now and some really, you know, some decent materials out there about how you can start to solve these problems. It's not like it was 15 or 20 years ago where, well, A, it was a lot tougher to do internet searches 20 years ago anyway. But even 10 years ago, you know, other than some mentions about, you know, Jackson Galaxy show, um, and I think he's been phenomenal because he's created awareness. And awareness that cats can be trained is a wonderful thing. But beyond knowing that the show existed, there wasn't a lot of information on actually what you could do. You know, what, what could you do if you needed to teach a cat to go into a crate? You know, what are some basic tips? for dealing with a cat that, you know, is having litter box issues. How do I stop her from destroying my third couch? You know, now there's lots of information out there. So we're running out of time and it's been so good to talk to you, but I want to touch on this. I think the number one biggest mistake that people make when they are trying to train a cat, and you tell me if you disagree, but I think that they start with their goal. So if they're saying, we're going to go see Dr. Prim today, I'm going to put my cat in the carrier. I'm just going to stuff my cat in the carrier. Look, I'm training her. What do you think is the most common mistake that people make? Yeah, I think that that is a very common mistake. Not having a thought out plan, having a vision of the end result without having a plan or some sort of roadmap or strategy to get there inevitably means that you take things too quickly or you're just not sure how to go about it. So you do things like you try to stuff the cat in in a crate. 
you know, as opposed to spending weeks trying to get the cat to learn to associate positive things with the crate, teaching the cat to go into the crate on her own, getting the cat used to being in the crate with the door closed, getting the cat being used to being in the crate with the door closed and just being moved slightly. And without the end product of that, having to go somewhere that, that she might not like. You know, I mean, what would happen if every time, I mean, stop and think about it. I mean, if every time you got in the car, you went somewhere that you didn't like, chances are when you took, when you saw that car, much less were put in it, you would be extremely stressed. You might be nauseous. You certainly wouldn't be in a positive state of mind. And if you learned that there was any way you could escape having to get in the car, you'd do it. You're not that much different than we are. So rather than just, you know, toss somebody into a car, you know, and then with, it's the same thing with, with kitties, the same thing with dogs too. You have to turn it into a positive association. So instead of going in the car to bad things, you would wind up in the car and not go anywhere and get praise or treats or whatever it was that worked for you. Okay. And then only after that, would you go somewhere that was positive? So over time, by the time we got around to taking the cat to the vet, the cat would have been in that crate. 20 or 30 times, the cat would have been in that crate and gone to places that weren't negative at all a number of different times. So that, yeah, when the occasional veterinary visit comes up, it's no big deal, but it, it does. It takes time, but it is, uh, it is absolutely trainable and is absolutely doable. In point of fact, cats are no more difficult to train than dogs. In some ways, I would say for some behaviors, they're easier. Certainly, they're no more difficult. It's just a matter of understanding the methodology and applying it. Well, and I mean, that's, they're that's not dogs, I'm so you just have not. to kind of not expect them to be a dog. But yeah, cats are great. Obviously, I they think are great. cats are great. <laughs> well, it was so great to get to talk to you. I didn't know that you had a fear-free connection, so I'm excited about that and maybe a partnership. I work a lot with fear-free, so that's exciting to me. And thanks for taking out the time from your day. I know you're busy to help educate my listeners about how positive training cats can be and how important training cats can be. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. I'm never too busy to spread this message. It's extremely important. I agree. So I want all my listeners to know how grateful I am for your continued listening and loyalty. I also want to thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter, because without him, we wouldn't have nine lives with Dr. Cat. So all my listeners, go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.